Hello, hello, and welcome to the Love Doctor Podcast, research-informed advice that can lubricate any conversation about sex. My name is Leah Tidy, and I'm glad to have you here. Today on the show, I'll be answering your questions about porn and how to know if you're addicted to it, and about gay sex between folks with penises. Exclaimer, it's not just anal. I also share part two of my interview with invisible illness advocate and CEO of Spark Clarity, Clary Chambers. In episode nine, we got to hear from Clary's partner, Percy, about who said I love you first and who initiates sex more. Now it's Clary's turn, and we get into the nuts and bolts of healthy relationships, particularly for folks with disabilities. But first, today in sex. Last week, Levi and I shared a question and answer video on his YouTube channel. We got a ton of great questions, and in particular, folks are interested in our relationship and about me identifying as bisexual. I've mentioned this on the show before, and I just want to play you a brief snippet from the Q&A, where we talk about how my sexual orientation has played out in our relationship. He says, my wife, like Leah, identifies as bisexual. Has it raised any challenges that you've needed to work through as a couple? Well, just quickly say, like, for people who don't know what it means to be bisexual, it just means that you are um, sexually attracted, romantically interested in more than one gender. So I'm interested yeah. in men, women, non-binary folks, whichever. Leah said right off the bat when we decided that we were going to get married that she was bi, and uh, that didn't bother me at all. I, I think that where issues come up when it comes to somebody in the relationship being bisexual is not about the issue of bisexuality itself, but the trust that you share as an, a unit. Do you trust that person? What are the qualities about that person that you respect and that you want in your life? That Leah is Leah. The, the, the way that she identifies in the world or chooses to love is is not really something that I think affects our relationship mm -hmm. and that's something that's constantly evolving I think that we are conditioned to think about sexuality and relationships in a very specific way mm -hmm. it's not like being bisexual automatically means that you know I want to have multiple partners or I walk down the street and I'm like they're hot, they're hot, they're hot. That's that's not yeah. really how it works. The same issues can come up in straight couples, they can come up in queer couples. I feel very seen in the relationship and I've never felt like I've had to hide the fact that I'm bisexual, even though I can walk through the world as a straight passing person. And that's something that I really value about our relationship and Levi just being so uh, so open and loving of who I am as a person. But what we didn't get into in this Q&A was how Levi has a disability and how that's a part of our relationship. Outwardly, you wouldn't know that Levi has a heart condition, and while he doesn't hide it, it's not something that comes up in casual conversation. There is a lot of stigma about disability, and especially when it comes to sexuality and dating. Too often, society has labeled disabled folks as non-sexual or incapable of desire or sexual expression. I'm here to tell you that that is simply not true. From my own experience with Levi, but also in my professional work on creating theater about sex with folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities, sexuality and however we choose to express that, that's a human right and one that is too often denied folks with disabilities. Something that I hope is clear from this show and what I talk about often is that sexuality is diverse and the only normal thing about sexuality is variety. 
for Levi and I, without getting too personal, because, you know, I like to keep a few things private, there are certain times a day that are better to have sex based on when Levi has taken his medication. And even in our daily life, we need to think about heart rate and if we're out and about hiking, biking, doing yoga, whatever we happen to be doing. It has taught me an incredible amount about being aware of my own body, my partner's body, and how there are so many factors that are working simultaneously to influence our arousal, our mental well-being, and our ability to, to be really present when we are intimate with each other. As always, communication is the best way to create a great sex life. And the more we can speak our truth and honestly communicate our desires in and out of the bedroom, the better the world will be. And now, let's get to your calls. Is it possible to masturbate too much? I kind of looked online, but it seems like there's a lot of different information out there. What do you know about it? Also, how do I know if I have a porn addiction? And if I do, how do I stop it? Thank you so much, Leah, for making a place that I can actually bring this up. Because honestly, I, I would never ask this in real life. Thank you for asking this. And I've actually had quite a few folks ask about masturbation. Masturbation is a totally healthy activity to engage in for all folks and is a great way to relieve stress and generally feel good. Masturbation, whether it's once a month or twice a day, doesn't have any negative health effects, and that can actually be good for you in terms of releasing tension. I talk about masturbation more fully in episode 7, and I share some great resources about why masturbation is totally fine and offer a wide variety of ethical porn sites that you can check out and feel good about. You know, morally and physically, because, yeah, masturbation feels great. I will say, though, that if watching porn and masturbating is starting to get in the way of you doing other things in your life, you know, like daily activities and work and relationships, then it can be an issue. I don't want to shame people or put them off masturbating or watching ethical porn, but when it starts consuming your life, then it starts becoming an unhealthy balance. I'm not an expert on addiction by any means, but I would highly recommend taking some time to think about why it is that you're drawn to porn and masturbation so regularly, and think about setting up a session with a sex-positive therapist about why this may be occurring. Quite honestly, we could all do with a therapy session or two, but I know that really that's not feasible or accessible to everyone for a variety of reasons. If you are able to get in touch with a professional, though, that could be a great way to better understand what's happening, and hopefully they can help you come up with some strategies to create a healthier balance. Also, there is some debate that the term addiction shouldn't even be used when we're talking about porn, because recent research has shown that it presents differently than folks who have other types of addictions. I've linked the article by Justin Lay Miller called Why We Should Stop Calling Porn Addiction, with bunny ears, and Addiction, and this cites recent research from 2015. However, my previous advice stands that if it is troublesome to you, talking to someone could be really beneficial. A great first step would be to call the Sex Sense Line, which is run through Options Sexual Health here in British Columbia, and they can talk to you directly about your questions and put you in touch with their recommended resources. You can also send them an email if you don't live in Canada, and they offer super inclusive and reliable information. I've put the Options website and the Sex Sense Line in the episode description. Also, I'm going to play a brief clip from this hilarious video by Anna Akana about the war on masturbation, which gives you some history of why we still have this, this shame hangover about masturbation and how it was scientifically unfounded that masturbation would cause blindness, hairy palms, or even death. 
But did you know about the war on masturbation? Uh, yeah. In the 1850s, there was believed to be a condition called spermatorrhea, which was basically the female version of hysteria, which was described as involuntary seminal loss, usually via nocturnal emission, which in regular talk is, you're losing too much sperm, bro, especially in those wet dreams of yours. It was very commonly said by Victorian doctors that masturbation, aka self-abuse, leads to more death than all of history's wars and epidemics. Really? Mm, yes, it also has an eclectic range of negative symptoms like vertigo, migraine, cerebral congestion, melancholy, hysteria, convulsion, rickets, drooling, gout, stunted growth, rheumatism, paralysis, chronic weakness, palpitation, pallor, miscarriage, and death. Well, then why does it feel so good and relieve the stresses of the day? I'm sorry, are you a doctor? Do you have a doctor's education? Unless you are the one female accepted into Harvard Medical School this year, 1850, due to social reform, then I don't think so. It just seems implausible that touching oneself has caused more death than all of history's wars and epidemics combined. Okay, I didn't make reality's rules, okay? Does it seem implausible that my sperm is made up of tiny microscopic men? That digging giant holes in the ground leads to rain? That blowing tobacco up the butthole heals, especially in reviving drowning victims? Yes, actually, a lot of that seems very implausible. That is what science is. My point is, do not self-abuse. Perhaps buy yourself a leather chastity belt, and if you have a husband, buy him some anti-masturbation armor as well. There is a plethora of options. I hate this century. Doctors warned married men to limit the amount of sex they had. They told unmarried men not to have sex at all and to particularly avoid masturbation. And a lot of these preventative devices created, the Bowden device, the Jugum penis, were actually just incredibly painful for men anytime they had an erection. Unfortunately, these views didn't go away until the end of the 19th century, when Dr. James Paget questioned the very existence of spermatororia. Thankfully, men were eventually told that, hey, uh, sorry guys, masturbation is actually not as bad as we thought, and we're really sorry we told you that it caused an unspeakable amount of death and pain. I'm Anna Akana. Didn't even try to get a sponsor for this video because, I mean, who, who would dare? I found that clip just hysterical, and the fact that she gets dressed up in all of these different costumes, it's hysterical. Just, I left it in the episode description, so go watch that right now. It's so good. But I also wanted to briefly touch on, you get it, touch on, masturbation, I'm a dork. Anyway, about why folks with vulvas are often told that they shouldn't masturbate. Masturbation has an association for bodies with penises. And as I was learning in my first module of my sexual health educator course this past weekend, that this is particularly because penises are external or on the outside of our bodies. Obviously, this is also connected to like patriarchy and the society that we live in. Trust me, all of those are factors. But let's get down to anatomy. It's easy to touch and get to know your penis because literally every time you get chained, bam, there it is. But our vulvas, they're a bit different. First, folks with vulvas, quite often it's hard to actually see what is going on down there. And we are repeatedly told in society that these are our private parts, if they're even talked about at all. But just because we've ubiquitously called them private it doesn't mean they need to be private from us, the people who are the owners of those vulvas. Hopefully you have heard this from sex educators before, but get a mirror. Check out what's going on down there. Vulvas are as unique as every other aspect of our bodies, and the tissues of our labia, vaginas, and yes, clitorises are amazing. 
I'm going to share an image of vulvas and what they look like, but if you have not heard of the clitoris, oh my, you are in for quite a treat, my friend. The clitoris is an organ that is predominantly hidden under the skin of the vulva. Think of it kind of like an iceberg, and typically only the clitoral hood and the glands are visible on the surface. Now, the best and most amazing part of the clitoris that only has one function in the body. Pleasure. That's it. Unlike the penis, which is also used for peeing as well as ejaculating semen, the clitoris's only job is pleasure, and that's something we should celebrate. If we all got to know our bodies better and what felt good, then we would definitely have better sex all around. As I go through my sexual health educator course, I'm going to share some amazing things that I discover along the way. Yes, I did know about the clitoris before, and I even knew how it all worked, but I think it's something that we don't talk about enough because there's an assumption that we should all know, but a lot of us don't. So clitoris, amazing. Masturbation, also pretty amazing. So if you haven't touched yourself and gotten to know what feels good in your body, yeah, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Let's get to your next call. This is another question that was sent in to me through Instagram, and I just want to really applaud this person for their bravery in sending it to me. This is what they ask. Will you talk about gay sex, male on male? I just recently figured out I'm bi, and I can't do a lot of looking into anything LGBTQIA because of my homophobic parents. Now first, the answer is undoubtedly yes. I don't have personal experience of male-on-male sex, as I am someone with a vulva, but I'm so grateful that you sent in this question. Also, I'm really happy that you figured out that you're bi. Examining ourselves and our sexual attraction and orientation is something that all of us could benefit from. Percy and I chatted about this in our interview a few weeks ago about how each of us would benefit from examining our own gender journey, and sexual orientation is the same. Any time that we can think deeply about who we are and examine what stories we've been told by society and the folks around us, we can start to discover more honest ways of being in the world and get a little closer to understanding ourselves and what that looks like and means for us. Now, I found a great article on the Scarletine website, an awesome resource all around for questions on sexuality and gender, called The Bees and The Bees, a Homosexuality and Bisexuality Primer. And while it mainly talks about orientation instead of sexual acts, I think it would be a great resource to read. What I particularly love is this part of the article. Getting to understand who we are in this respect like every other isn't something we can usually do in a day. It's a lifelong process. And as I have said before, sexuality, it's a lifelong journey, and that should be something really exciting to think about. However, caller, I'm also so sorry to hear about your parents and how you feel like you're restricted in accessing resources that are queer inclusive. Let's hope that they don't notice you listening to this podcast, Uh, and I'm going to put together some resources for you so you can go directly to what is reliable, don't have to wade through the noise and garbage that is on Google when you type in gay sex. I, I don't recommend it. Do not hit images. Just don't. So gay sex, the type that you're asking about, is between two folks with penises and testicles, and that can look like a lot of different things. There's an assumption that gay sex is synonymous as anal sex, and while that is definitely a valid type of sex, it's not the only one. And also, anal sex is not something that only gay males engage in, so let's get that out of the way first. As Heather Karina says on the Scarletine website, everyone has an anus. Some people enjoy engaging their anuses or those of others sexually, some don't. And who's who isn't about sexual orientation. 
wanting or enjoying anal sex is not any kind of bellwether of being gay or being any orientation, just like wanting or enjoying kissing isn't. Really, like all good sex, we need to communicate with our partner or partners about what feels good, and that can be a journey that you go on together and on your own. <laughs> you know what I was just saying? You know about masturbation? Another great piece from the Scarlet Tomb website is the article called Oral Sex, Manual Sex, Anal Sex. What's it all mean, Jelly Bean? And this gives you the lowdown on various types of sex, and that includes sex with our mouths, genitals, fingers, hands, and yes, the butt. Now, there's a lot of stigma around anal sex, in particular when it comes to preparation and sensation. Now, advice from sexual educators around the world when it comes to anal sex is go slow. Anal play, which doesn't even need to include penetration, by the way, it can be incredibly pleasurable for folks, and it requires clear communication between partners about what we want and what we were comfortable exploring. Now, here's a couple of quick tips, but I'm going to leave more resources in the episode description so you can check out more info at your leisure. First, lube is your friend. Basically, lube is great in all sorts of sexual experiences and is especially helpful for anal play. More lube, the better. Now, part of going slow is experimenting with fingers and smaller toys so we can see what feels good. And when we're using toys in and around the anus, a flared bottom is necessary. So if it's a dildo, it's a vibrator, strap-on, what have you, it needs to have a wide flared base because we don't want that whole toy going inside the anus. Unlike the vagina, which has an end, you know, it's not a bottomless pit, there's a cervix there, the anus is connected to a larger system of the intestines, so flared bottoms all around. I cannot say it enough. Also, anal sex should not be painful. In general, sex should not be painful, and if it is, then stop. While the anus has a lot of nerve endings around it, and if it didn't, going to the bathroom would be a very messy affair, folks... It can be really sensitive, and lubrication and communication can make it a really pleasurable experience. Now, in the episode description, I've shared the options for sexual health tips for anal sex article, which is awesome. And folks, if you know someone that I should interview on the show about gay sex, obviously, that can mean all sorts of things, by the way, send me a message to thelovedoctorpodcast at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at dr.leahtidy. So I'm actually going to try out a new section of the show, and I want to get your comments on whether or not you like it. As I mentioned before, if you have comments or feedback for the show, that's what I want. I'm not just creating this so I can sit inside my dad's dingy office and tell you all of my thoughts about sex. The biggest component of this podcast is hearing from you and what you want to know. My whole job is to gather together resources and my own knowledge so I can help you on your own path so that you can make choices that are best for you, your sexuality, and help you on your own pursuit of pleasure. So this feedback section, I got a really kind email a few weeks ago, and I'm not going to lie, I got pretty emotional reading it. Uh, I'm just going to read it to you now. Hi, Leah. I'm writing not with a question, but rather with a sincere thanks for facilitating conversations, for creating a shame-free space, and for making this all seem like a chat with a girlfriend through also sharing your personal experiences throughout. It was not the primary point of your third episode. However, I enjoyed the discussion on books that have affected you. You explained the chapter in Generation Sex regarding the experience of young women experiencing their boyfriends threatening to commit suicide when the relationship is coming close to ending. When you said this, I actually had to rewind because I wasn't sure I heard you correctly. 
This is something I experienced with my first major relationship when I was 18 to 20 years old. It has taken me quite some time to recover from this. From your conversation on this and your response to the listener, it made me realize that I need to do some more unpacking on this and some of my past sexual experiences to have positive experiences moving forward. All of this being said, thank you again for framing these conversations in a new way. I'm really enjoying your podcast and always look forward to new episodes. Keep being delightful and know that your work is significant and impactful. Yeah, folks, I got pretty uh, choked up reading that. So what I'm hoping with this feedback section is to get your thoughts, but to also share the stories from folks about what it is that's been helpful about the show and maybe what hasn't been helpful. What haven't you heard yet? Or maybe you have a beef with me. Maybe there's something that I've missed or I've been really obtuse about. I want to know, and I really want this to be an inclusive and accessible space for all folks. So if you're interested in the feedback section, send me some feedback either to the love doctor podcast at gmail.com or send me an Instagram message at tidy. And now I am so excited to share part two of my interview with Clary Chambers. On episode nine of The Love Doctor, we heard Percy's side of the story, and now I want to share Clary's. We talk about dating with a disability and how being open about our sexual and fantasies and desires can actually lead to some pretty mind-blowing sex. So here it is. You have created the perfect segue to asking about your partner now because now okay. you're, right I'm, I'm really glad two things really glad that you mentioned about when kids get involved it's like oh like if you're an adult you're like oh well i'm to i'm not homophobic or i'm not racist but then you start raising children and you're like what values and what socialization are you imbuing to these kids and so like that's i think that's something that we forget about and and it's hard because as you know like i'm i'm 28 and i feel like i've had to do and my and my parents are great people. They've done a really good job of being very, very open, but their socialization totally would teach me things that they didn't even mean to pass on, you know? And so there's a lot of unlearning. And I've talked about this on the show before about it's not only about learning, it's about our unlearning of lots of different things, you know, of how we value ourselves, like on our bodies and how we value other folks. All to say that I'm super excited that like, we had a chance to chat. I love it because both of you are doing such really, really cool work. But then also the part of me, I do like a sex and love relationship podcast. Of course, I want to know about relationships. I am nosy. So. Okay, let's do it. Right? Okay. So I'm going to ask both of you the same questions. The first one I'm going to ask is who asked out who? How did that work? Oh, okay. So we always say that, uh, okay, well, I always say, well, I'll just, okay, I'm just going to say, I say that a mutual friend introduced us named Tina Durr, um, Tinder. Uh, that's what first said. I just say Tinder. Like, I'm just like, I have no shame, but people, I don't know. Like, that's how we met. We met on an app. And I love it. So, who asked who out first? And this, I had gone on 30 dates um, over like two years. And I was like, I'm never going to find anyone. It was like 30 dates of like with women. One was with a man. And I was like, that went really well. And then I went on a date with a woman and I was like, ooh, so I am gay. Yep. Mm, yep. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so then at this point we had matched on Tinder and I was like, honestly, I am, my energy is spent. I can't, I started every conversation of all those 30 dates. If somebody wants to, you know, so who asked you out, Percy asked me out. 
Mm, yeah, right. they were the first, they asked me out. They had a um, a really um, I wouldn't say raunchy, I guess, pickup line, but it said like, "Damn, you're gorgeous." Um, what else? like they were in Ottawa, but they didn't mm. live in Ottawa, right? They were like, "What else should I add to my sightseeing list besides you?" Oh, uh, okay. Right. You have some game. Oh, my yeah. So I promptly because I was like, "Damn, that's good. That's smooth." Yeah, I, mm, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ooh. <laughs> so yeah, first they asked me out. Oh, I love that. I love it. Okay, but then who said I love you first? Percy, too. Oh. Uh, I, I was talking to my friend, Corinne, and I was like, oh, it's something, something, because I love her. And I was like, oh, like, you know, just her. So then I um, bought a card <laughs> that said, someone in Ottawa loves you. It was like, it's like a supposed oh. to be a postcard. For people, you know, and they were going oh. traveling, so I, I figured that if it didn't happen before they were leaving at the end of the week, I would write in the card and put it in her bag. So mm. we are lying in bed, and then she was just staring at me. Oh, my gosh, I was so nervous. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> and then I was like, what? She's like, I think I love you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love you, too. And then she's like, I said it first. And I was like, oh, my God, wait, 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 I have a card. And then I was, like, going into my bag. I'm like, look, see, I bought the card. And, like, I, you know. So I clearly and, did it first, <laughs> Oh my god, it's terrifying oh, to say oh, that to someone. What about with you and Levi? Uh, he said it first, actually. Mm-hmm. The first... <laughs> this will be a whole other story. Well, uh, listeners, next time we'll get Levi back on the podcast. He'll tell you his version of events. <laughs> our, <laughs> our first date ended up being an entire weekend, because I was visiting from Victoria and he was living in Vancouver. Mm. It was supposed to be Friday night, and I was supposed to go to, like, a girls' weekend, and we were like, oh, we're going to stay in Vancouver at a hotel. And then leading up to it, like, that week, all my friends were like, oh, actually, like, sorry, we have to cancel. I'm like, well, I already lined up a date with this guy on Friday. So I went from being like, I'm going to spend one night at this guy's house to three nights. (laughs) Yeah, very unlike me. I don't normally move very quickly, but, you know, it uh, happened. And by the end of that weekend... uh, Similar. We were in bed, and Levi said, "I love you." I made him wait a week before I said it back. But then, <laughs> this is like the first three days of the whole of the whole relationship. Oh first, the first three days, I'm like, "That is bold." But yeah, I'll have to get him on the show so then he can. Yeah, to talk about that. Yeah. So yeah. when she said that to me, and so she always is like, "Yeah, well, you know." Sometimes she'll be like, "I love you," and I'm like, "I love you more," just as like a joke we do. And then she's yeah. like, "I love you more" because I said, "I love you first." I'm like, "That was one time." <laughs> <laughs> I like the premeditated I love you card though you're like yeah wow. I mean I, and I think it's so funny because outside of our relationship and even in it but like, I mean like I mean outside of the story of our relationship I feel like I'm the first somebody's like I'm at an event anybody have any questions yep me I'm the first one like I'm always the one to break the silence I'm always the one to break the ice like I will volunteer first we need to volunteer anything I'm always first but at that point I was just like I can't be the first one anymore I feel like I'm always putting more into relationships and dating than anyone's giving me so mm. the coincidence that we're both 
extroverted that she was like, well, you know, she, and it was like, if she didn't do that, we would not be together. And then, cause I was like, I'm not doing it, not being the first one. She's mm. so unlike me. Right. Yeah. So even with saying, I love you, like I'm not usually nervous to put myself out there. I was always putting myself out there and just like, I was dating people. They were not dating me. Like, before right. first date. like you know, it's like, did you have mm. any other relationships before me? It's like, well, I would say yes. That person would say no. So mm. communication wasn't good. Like right. I was really into it. So yeah, it's interesting looking back on kind of like how we are always. And then like what mm. kind of happens to in yeah. our relationships. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good. That's good. Okay, but now, who would you say is more, like, romantic in the relationship? Oh, that's a good question. I want to say Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to say her, too. I know it. Um, I feel like oh, she does so many amazing things. She's mm. so, like, for example, I was, like, crying the other day. I miss my friends. Mm. Um, you know, we're in BC. We went straight from England to BC. I haven't been home. Um, in Ottawa, where I was living for eight years, and most of my friends are in Ottawa, Toronto, and Ontario, and I haven't seen them in, like, a year, and mm. so I was really missing my friends, and I was like, I just, I feel so isolated, we're not able to really make new friends during a pandemic, when you're not supposed to touch, talk to, or stand anywhere, like, six feet away, like, how do you, how do you make friendship yeah. from six feet away, yeah. so... The next morning, I'm in bed. She's like, why don't you just sleep in today? I'm like, okay, cool. Then she's like, hey, I need you for a second. And I'm like, really? Like, right now? She's like, yeah. She brings me into the office. She has a video call with one of my best friends who's actually living in Saudi Arabia. So the fact that she was even able to get, like, a time zone time, and she has this, like, my cereal, like, my little milk and, like, a carafe, and, like, a, a mint tea from, like, our garden, like, everything. So she's got this whole spread. It's gorgeous, you know? And she's, like, has this, like, call. She's like, okay, like, enjoy. Like, I got you a breakfast date. And, like, the next day I had set up, like, a call with one of my friends. Like, that's and so I mean, sweet. That's, like, that's not necessarily, like, I don't know if that's romantic or not, but I feel like romance is, like, is, um kindness and just like thinking you know of like things to do so I don't know I always feel like I fall short with her which I feel like in any other place or time like I feel like I'm always like out I'm like top friend right yeah. like I <laughs> like, do like top friendship things yeah like setting cards setting flowers and like for her she'd always surprise me with flowers uh when we were in Ottawa so I think I don't know I think it goes back and forth but mm-hmm. I wish I, I feel like sometimes I wish I was more romantic um that's such a good question who's romantic right? i'm so interested to see what she's on right i can't wait it's gonna be hilarious oh my gosh i'm not gonna tell her my answers until uh i don't want to swears good question leah right, oh thank you goodness. thank you it's yeah. hard hey like it's <laughs> yeah. yeah she's better than me no <laughs> and now because this is a sex podcast i have kind of like two questions you can take them or leave them Whatever you're comfortable with. Okay. Who would you say initiates sex more? Who was like... Me. You didn't even have to think about it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely me. I think so. Yeah. um, Yeah, it's it's interesting because before when I was dating men or trying to at least like I just I just felt like my whole life was like a series of like unfortunate events when it came to trying to like yeah and it it makes sense though if I'm trying to make so hard something work I don't have any feelings of attraction towards any of the men that I you know had sex with or had relationships with none and I was Mm -hmm. always like okay like 
I was like, okay, if I do this, this is how this should feel. Like, if I should do this, like, thinking about movies, thinking about things I've heard, thinking about TV. Mm-hmm. And so that if if I would have seen more narratives, and that's why this podcast is amazing, if I would have seen more narratives of sexuality displayed and it wasn't just, like, a man and a woman, then maybe I, would have, I wouldn't have put myself in scenarios and sometimes which... Um, I look back and I'm like, why did I do that? Like, it didn't feel good. Well, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. And yeah. it, just, it never did. Look back on it. It's like when you force yourself to do something that you don't, that you're not really into. Like, if I, like, I don't know, for example, if I'm a paint by numbers kind of person. And if I was like, I'll only get paint by numbers forever and ever, like, I, this, that would suck. Like, yeah. I don't think it's my jam. So it's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> paint by numbers. But kind of. <laughs> But for me, it's like, you know, so yeah, so I feel like I sometimes surprise myself with um, how sexually attracted I feel to Percy, but also just like in general, it's like, wow, this is what like people I'm watching movies and I'm like, this is all fake. There's mm. no way anybody's that attracted to anyone. My friends are telling these stories. I'm like, Mm-mm, I don't believe you. Like, it's I just felt like it was all hype. So yeah. I was trying to get my hype on and I was, <laughs> and I was not feeling any sort of hype. <laughs> trying to get no, your like, hype on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Percy just, you know. She hypes you up. You're like, nice. Yeah, yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, totally. But it's just like, <laughs> it just, it feels good to be able to feel good, like in my sexuality and in my expression. And so mm-hmm. many times, and I've mentioned this to Percy too, is like, we'll be kissing and I'll just be like, this feels like so good. But mm-hmm. I grew up thinking that it was wrong mm. to be in any relationship that wasn't like with a man. So it's like I'm checking in with myself and I'm like, wow, this really feels great because other times, you know, I just felt like I was really forcing myself to do something that I just never felt like, you know, mm-hmm. I would make, like, I would sometimes I come back to my house and with a guy and I'd be like, do you want tea? Like, I don't know what's supposed to get us in the booth. So I'm just making them tea. Like, what the heck? <laughs> like, tea is, all that tea takes a long time to cool off. Like, this is not foreplay. Nope. Tea is not foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> tea is after. This is in your afterglow right you know <laughs> like oh my gosh do you want like want to quickly chug this tea with me you want to scald your mouth and then we'll bake out a bit <laughs> like <laughs> bad times people do not offer tea when you're trying to get into the mood if you're not in the mood tea's not gonna help you <laughs> it's just bring the whole thing no no not gonna work yeah it's a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> i love it okay this one's more of like a just like another question the last one for you okay. is there like a fantasy or something that you've wanted to try that you haven't told Percy about yet? Oh, you don't uh, have to say what it is if there is one, but okay. Um, is there a fantasy? Uh, no, I would say that, um, yeah, I would say that we're like on the same page. Like we have, nice. I won't say what it is, um, mm-hmm. but I would say that we are very open in our communication when it comes to like our relationship. Like I told my counselor the other day, a conversation we had and they were like, Hmm, very good. Okay, well, I don't think you need me. Like, they didn't say that, but, like, you know, like, that's they were great. really impressed with mm. our level of communication because that's something that we both really wanted um, mm. and something that we didn't have in past relationships. Yeah. And so, yeah, when it comes to, like, sexual fantasies as well, like, we definitely, like, have discussions on things that we're interested in doing, that we want to do, and so it feels good to be able to, like, express those, not mm. be... Um, Percy does a lot of the time she'll say stuff like tell me something I don't know about you or like you know tell me fantasy you have or something so like we Mm. you know those prompts are kind of going all the time I'm running out of things to tell her that she doesn't know about me but (laughs) you just start inventing things you're like uh yeah last one was like (laughs) no I used to do karate and she's like what (laughs) 
You're like, yes, I surprised you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Great questions, though. Right? Oh, that's great. No, and I feel like that's a that's a great way to to cap it off because like I'm always talking like communication. If you want to have better sex, you need to have better communication. And like it's even when you are feeling super like comfortable and in your relationship and you feel like very heard and seen, even then sometimes I find myself struggling to be like, I want you to do this thing. And it's just practice. You like. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like, I find we have a lot of conversations about sex, about intimacy, especially because a lot of people are like, and I was this person too. What would sex with a woman be like? Mm. You know, or I've even, I've even had a friend who was like, uh, how does gay sex work? And I was like, I was like, well, we all have a manual. Uh, we all have a kit. Comes in the mail. Uh, yeah. To declare. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, how does gay sex work? How does your sex work? Is it always safe? Like, damn. These are always this position, you know, under yeah. the sheets, oh. lights off. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, first of all, you have to plug in your rainbow strobe light. So that's the first obviously. step. Like, so everyone has to know. All, it's all different, but the communication, and there's so many times where I didn't communicate. And I feel like women, I don't know about men because I'm also not one. And I'm not like, I don't feel like I hear conversations of men or folks who identify as male, like speaking about their experiences with sex. But I feel mm-hmm. like as women, I don't know, maybe talk about it more in television. Women are talking about it more together. Mm-hmm. Um, and where it's not just like sexualizing the other person to be like, Oh, like I feel like in movies, it's like pounded dude or stuff like that. But yeah, with, like I noticed that a lot of my friends never say what it is they want, what it is they don't want. Um, what things like, yeah, what things are just, like, not okay for them. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's a trauma area, you know, from, like, a past, like, things that have happened. And so we're very open. We check in with each other, like, what's working, what's not working. And it just makes it better. Like, it would be, yeah. like, if you were cooking with somebody and they were just using eggs, the recipe says no eggs, and then you're just like, mm, I don't really want to say because I want to, like, offend them. Like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're not going to yeah. have a cake. It's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, you're like, I would just tell you. Like, this is scrambled eggs. We are making uh, eggless pie. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> so just kind of like, you got to communicate. So if it's, if it's before, um, sometimes it's before sex, sometimes it's during sex, after sex, but like, oh, I feel so bad. I don't want to say like for all my straight friends, but people be talking about what they want. So if you're not talking about it, then, you know, you get, yeah. you get an omelet when you really want a cake, you know? I feel it. I feel it. Well, I mean, I'm also going to leave a link down in the episode description because definitely in terms of like, sexual satisfaction uh, especially among like folks with vulvas it's much higher for same-sex relationships in terms of like sexual satisfaction yeah dismantling that whole myth that you need a penis to have a good time it's like actually no that's nope that's not how it works at all so higher rates of orgasms so that's dope that's great we're having cakes not omelets Talk about your needs, okay? Because you'll end up eating something that you weren't planning to. Plus, you know, also could have like some sexual um, thoughts and stuff on that too. But yeah. yeah, it's just like it's all those things. Like even mm-hmm. you know, masturbation. Like you don't have to. Like well, I don't know what people are doing in COVID because like I don't know. But yeah. you know, it's like it's it's knowing yourself and what you like. I read that so many times. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Later. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have more time to figure that out. But, yeah, it's also something, on the last note here, it's also something that's been, like, great for pain management for me is, mm. like, having orgasms, essentially. And so that can be 
a great pain management tool. Also, you know, it's taboo to talk about, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why, but it is. And so there it is. I find that to be, for somebody who has chronic pain, to be, like, really helpful. That's awesome. Awesome because mm-hmm. trying to, like, bust up all that taboo by masturbation, you're like, actually, it's a wonderful medication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't often talk about it. And so even anticipating for the podcast, I was kind of nervous. I was like, oh, like, what do I want to say? What do I not want to say? And, like, to think that I'm going to talk about sex or masturbation or anything um, on a podcast is just like, whoa. But, you know, in real life, I, I do say I got some I got some more stories, you know? Right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Next time, have me back. Warm me up. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. This, this is your, like, trial run. And you're like, nice. Okay, next we'll do the X-rated version, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Clary. I'm going to have links to uh, your Instagram and all of your stuff in the episode description so people can go check you out because I, yeah. I love following you. It's like one of the highlights of my day to see what you're up to. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, so if you want your like daily dose of joy, come on over at yes. SparkClarity on everything social and then SparkClarity.ca is the website as well. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today and listening to the Love Doctor podcast. On the next episode of The Love Doctor, I'll be sharing my interview with Steph and Caitlin from Les See the World. Now, I have been following these two, and Theo, their adorable dog, for well over a year now, and interviewing them was such a pleasure. I really cannot wait to share it with you. If you have questions that you want to ask, I mean, it could be about lesbian sex or anything else that's on your mind, send a voice memo to thelovedoctorpodcast at gmail.com, and I will do my darndest to get it on the show. You can also check me out on Instagram or Twitter. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review. Till then, folks, stay healthy, stay safe, stay consensual.